As a youth worker, at some point, you are going to encounter a young person who is struggling with depression. That's why I want to take today's episode and talk about what the role of a youth worker is in regards to teen depression. So let's go ahead and get started. Have you ever felt that we are losing young people to the world around them and that they have already chosen to walk away from Jesus without even knowing him? And did you know that all young people are at risk for something? That's why I want to welcome you to the Jesus is my hashtag podcast, where positive youth development and youth ministry intersect. I'm your host, Deb Schroeder. Join me weekly for encouragement, resources, and strategies to assist you in helping young people make Jesus their hashtag. Thanks for tuning into our podcast today. As I mentioned, we are going to be looking at depression and young people. Before I begin, I want to state very clearly that anything I share or say is not medical advice. I am not a trained therapist or doctor. What I am is a mom who watched her child suffer from debilitating depression. I am a woman who has battled depression herself at times, and I am a youth worker who has encountered depression in teens on multiple occasions. I believe in mental health services and would encourage you to seek professional help and resources should you or a teen that you work with need them. That said, depression is something that we are going to encounter at some point when we engage with young people. I want to offer some data to put us all on the same page in regards to the numbers related to youth depression. Mental Health America released its State of Mental Health in America 2021 report, and here are some of their findings. 13.84% of youth are coping with depression. 9.7% of youth, which is more than 2.3 million people to give you an idea of what that looks like, have severe depression. And this number climbs to 12.4% in youth who identify as more than one race. 60% of youth with depression receive no mental health treatment. Only 27% of youth with depression report consistent care. This report also states that childhood depression is more likely to persist into adulthood if it goes untreated. And depression in youth often co-occurs with other disorders like substance abuse, anxiety, and disorderly behavior. And it details that people who screen at risk for mental health conditions are struggling most with loneliness or isolation. And these are just the reported numbers. Can you imagine how much depression goes underreported, unreported, or undiagnosed? This makes me wonder what would our numbers in regards to youth depression really look like if we had the opportunity to speak to every single young person. Back in episode 15, I looked at the developmental outcome of mental health and talked about why it's important for young people to grow the abilities and motivations related to mental health. I want to encourage you to go back and check out that episode. Today, though, I'm going to zero in a little more on what roles and responsibilities a youth worker has. Now, remember, I consider all of us caring adults as youth workers. Whether you are trained in mental health or not, you are on the front lines in working with and serving youth. You most likely have consistent, regular, ongoing contact with a certain group of young people. So what then is really expected of you? 
My belief, regardless of what your job description says, is that we all have a responsibility to be checking in on the emotional and mental welfare of our young people. And that responsibility comes out of the fact that it is a part of their development. In my experience, this can break down into four specific roles that we play. Observer, listener, connector, and prayer warrior. We are observers first and foremost. As a youth worker, we should be consistently checking in on the emotional and mental well-being of our young people, because as I said, that is a part of their development. Now, I'm not suggesting that we check in because we're assessing them for mental health struggles or looking for depression, and I'm not in any way suggesting a formal assessment process. We are observing, watching for patterns, watching for shifts and changes in behaviors related to all of their development. We need to know our young people in a way that allows us to see shifts in their behaviors and in their emotions. I'm not saying that you have to have the ability to do this for every single young person you know or that you meet, but for young people that you have a relationship with and that you spend time with, you want to be able to observe any changes in them. According to the Mayo Clinic, some things that we can watch for in young people in regards to changes in their emotions and behaviors include feelings of sadness, which can include crying spells for no apparent reason, frustration or anger over small matters, feeling hopeless, loss of interest in usual activities, loss of interest in or conflict with family and friends, fixation on past failures, exaggerated self-blame or self-criticism, trouble thinking, concentrating, making decisions, and remembering things, tiredness and loss of energy, insomnia or sleeping too much, changes in appetite, weight loss, weight gain, use of alcohol and drugs, agitation, restlessness, social isolation, poor school performance, and frequent absences from school, less attention to personal hygiene or appearance, risky acting out behaviors, self-harm, such as cutting or burning oneself. That was a long list, right? And you might have missed half of it. I'm going to go ahead and link an article in our show notes today that would be a great resource for you to go check out. Please note, what I just shared, this is not a checklist that says if you observe one of these things in a young person, then they must be depressed. This is a list that signals to us that we can continue to observe and maybe even discuss these things with a young person if we see ongoing changes in behavior like these. As a general rule, unless you are licensed and trained in mental health, we are not in the business of diagnosing problems and conditions in young people. We are really in the business of helping young people transition throughout adolescence and into adulthood. Let's be honest. Sometimes, as adults, we don't sleep well. We are extra tired or just down in the dumps. But that doesn't mean that we experience that every day. And the same holds true for our young people. Again, when we notice changes in behaviors and emotions in young people, we are looking for ongoing patterns, extreme shifts, and even subtle shifts. As we observe what is going on with youth, we need to remember that we don't want to get caught up in focusing only on challenges that young people face. We still need to be looking to see growth, gifts, and the possibilities that exist in young people. This leads us to our next role, to listen. When we connect with youth, we need to give them space to talk and share in a way that makes sense to them. 
if a young person is experiencing depression and they have talked to you about it. We need to remember that they are still going to want freedom to talk about other things. Most of the time, they're not going to want to simply have you focus on their depression. They want to be seen as more. And they may even feel that experiencing depression makes them broken or less than somebody else. In those moments, how you listen and allow them to shift the conversation to something else will be important for that youth. I will also share that sometimes you may find a young person who only wants to focus in on their depression. They might begin to turn all conversations to this and want you to guide them and advise them. They may attempt to turn your relationship into more of a counseling session. I've been in this situation with a young woman and have had to set boundaries to keep them in place and continually remind her that I was not a trained counselor and I was not the right person to walk through everything with her. And as you think about listening, I want you to remember that we need to listen to hear, not to try to fix a young person. Another part of listening is asking questions connected to what we see a young person do or changes in emotions and behaviors that we might have observed. We do this to continue the conversation and to allow young people a space to say aloud what they need to. When we ask questions while listening, we need to ask in a way that encourages that young person to feel safe and that shows how much we care. We're not pushing for answers, and sometimes we're going to have to accept I don't know as an answer because a young person may not be aware of why they feel a certain way or why they're even behaving in a certain way. We ask questions to gather more information so that we know how to best engage with our young people. The next role we have is that of a connector. When you have concerns or worries that a young person is experiencing depression, your role is to connect them to resources, whether it is people or specific services that can assist them. For example, if you're a coach and you see a continual increase in aggression or anger during practices and games that are really not the norm in terms of behavior for a specific young person, you need to be able to connect that young person with people who can help them assess what is going on. A good place to go, if it's safe, is to start with the young person's parents. Guidance counselors can also offer insight and help further connect a young person to necessary supports. And youth pastors can also be a great resource. Now, I always make sure to communicate with young people about my role in trying to connect them to additional support for several reasons. First, young people need to be involved and empowered in their own development and decision-making. If I make all the decisions or even gather a resource before a young person is ready to access it, then that young person is not going to be fully engaged. Second, I never want a young person to feel that I have violated their trust by talking to others. Let me say, though, that if there is ever an issue of safety towards oneself or others, I always tell young people I'm going to immediately seek help for them without their permission. Third, I need to assess if it's a safe situation for a young person when we talk about engaging parents, counselors, and others. Even if I think I know a young person well, I want to make sure that they're safe. And finally, I want young people to know that it's natural to seek support in resources throughout life. And these resources are far beyond emotional and mental health services. We all need other people in our life to walk with us. Part of being a connector is knowing the resources in your community and helping a young person and their family access those resources. 
We are going to talk more about this in future episodes of our podcast. You will notice that at no point did I suggest that you are providing counseling to young people. Your job is to show up, to care, and to help them find who and what they need. As a connector, your role is to connect. You will also notice that I did not say that you connect and then disappear. If you are a caring adult in a young person's life, you can still be a part of their life even when they are seeking mental health services and supports. You need to have appropriate and clearly defined boundaries in this type of situation. But a young person still needs to know that you care for them and you still see them as God does. Finally, our last role is that of a prayer warrior. This will look different for each of us and for young people. Sometimes we pray directly with a youth. Other times we just take on the role of praying on behalf of that young person. They may know we are praying for them or they may not know. Each situation and each relationship we have with young people will look different. All of us, at one point or another, needs a prayer warrior who will consistently and passionately pray for us. Right now, I am praying for a friend's son who is being bullied and struggling with some depression as a result. And I'm also praying for one of our listeners right now who is having struggles with her own daughter and has connected and reached out to me after hearing my interview with my son, Jared. In my opinion, praying for others is one of the greatest honors that we can be given. When I pray for others, I may pray for specific needs, but I also always ask God to help them in ways I may not even know that they need help. I pray for God's will, His love, and His mercy to flood the life of that person. I pray for peace and resources and for God to work in that person. I pray for health and strength, and then I pray that God sends someone into that person's life to meet a need. When I think about depression and what it looks like for young people, I easily picture my own son, Jared. In episodes 26 through 32, I interviewed him and he shared his own story that included severe depression as well as substance abuse and even thoughts of suicide. If you missed those episodes, go back and listen. Maybe you're wondering if my husband and I missed Jared's depression early on, or maybe you're thinking that had we noticed his depression sooner, that might have made a difference. Here is the hard truth. We saw some of these signs of depression that I listed earlier. We saw outbursts of anger directed at us. We saw increased isolation and conflict with his family. We saw high highs and low lows in terms of emotions. We worked hard to connect and to connect our son to resources outside of our family, but he wasn't ready. The semester that we brought our son home from college, we were prepared to get him help. Looking back on it now, we were at the point that we were seeking professional advice on what our next steps were if he continued to refuse help. Thankfully, he finally agreed to speak with a doctor. I don't know if that was an answer to one of our specific prayers, if it was strengthen him to overcome that heavy weight of depression and shame, or if it was his way of appeasing us in that moment. Maybe it was a combination of all three, but it didn't really matter. What mattered was that he was willing to accept help for his depression. The truth and reality of depression is that a person has to be willing to accept help and be willing to walk through it with others alongside of them. 
there will be forward and backward steps in the climb out of the pit of depression. Sometimes when it comes to depression, we are helpless and we can't do anything but pray. Yes, whether you are a parent, a pastor, a youth worker, sometimes the only thing that you can do to help a young person is pray. As we wrap up today's episode, I want to encourage you to continue to observe, listen, connect, and pray for the young people in your life. These past 18 months, we have lived in such a way that it has created more isolating or stressful moments for our young people at times. And in my own life, I have witnessed an increase in depression among young people through our schools and in our churches. Depression is not going away. As a youth worker, you will encounter young people struggling with depression. Let me say again, your job is not to counsel or to fix that young person. Show up, care for them, be aware and observe what is going on in the life of young people. Listen, connect them with resources when needed, and do not ever stop praying for them. I just want to say that I see you. I know that youth work is hard. I know that we sometimes worry that we are failing our young people or that we will fail them. And when we talk about depression, that can make this all seem a little more scary. Just remember, you are not alone. God is walking with you as you serve youth. I hope this podcast provides encouragement to you as well as new ways to think about connecting with youth. Along those lines, I am excited to share that I am working on a prayer project I am compiling a PDF file of prayers that you can pray over young people while they are walking through depression. Now, not every prayer will be specific to your situation, but they are my heartfelt prayers that I prayed while I was walking through my son's battle of depression with him. Stay tuned for an announcement on the release of this new resource. And don't forget to join me next time as we start to look at preparing for the holidays. Hey there, fellow youth workers. Thanks for tuning in today. Remember what Matthew 9.37 tells us. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. In other words, keep showing up and keep caring.